Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Interlude episode 40.5, absolute episode 122. So since we've last recorded, uh, we've had some entertainment shifts and some things we've been doing as a family, one of which is uh, we have started watching Leverage as a family. Uh, it's actually been a really fun show to watch. I believe we are either in season four or season five of the show now, which is I, whatever season it is we're in is the last season. And it is a really fun and enjoyable show. I think the whole family really likes it. Another just kind of crazy thing about the show is uh, one of the main characters in this show, he's kind of the muscle in one of the first few seasons, he is a uh, he's supposed to be conning as a country music star. In real life, he actually has an album with songs on it that he recorded and I think wrote. So it's just kind of cool, um, entertaining, if nothing else. Um, something else that we started to do as a family, and this is something that we've done across not just my family, but my parents as well as my sister and her family. Uh, we've started a text string, and it is um, based off of something that uh, my therapist uh, is, is kind of one that got me started on the idea. Um, he had recommended to me that I put up things around the house, kind of like positive feedback type quotes. Um, it's, it's part of a... Um, uh, I don't know, it's it, it, an encouragement thing, you know, put it on your mirror and all that kind of stuff. And it, it sounds hokey, but it really does work. And what uh, I'm getting to on this point is we started trying to do it as a family. We have a, a, an open text string that can only be used for positive reinforcement. It's It's adults and kids, grandparents, parents, and everything alike. And it's been really, really cool. I'll admit my involvement hasn't been as consistent and daily as I wanted it to be. But uh, it's been really good. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm glad we started doing that. It's, it's been very positive. Um, another thing that we've done is we went and saw the new Cruella movie. As far as Disney live action movies is concerned, it was really fun. Um, not only did it give an interesting perspective on uh, schizophrenia, for lack of a better word, and, and I, I realize perhaps I'm pulling that out of a hat here, but I really think that that was an intended point of the show. But the music was super, super fun. So, um, and, and I liked the direction they took on it, which was really cool. Um, I'm also expanding my Lego collection. Uh, I recently put together the Lego Batwing from the 1989 uh, Batman movie, um, which was really, really cool. So I'm, I'm very excited that I had a chance to put that together. Um, we also went and saw the Black Widow movie, which, um, as far as the Marvel Universe is concerned, you know, they, they hit this massive peak when it came to the uh, Infinity War and uh, all of that kind of climax. And so I think it has to be understood that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as fantastic as it's been, and I assume will continue to be, um, that they've hit this pinnacle where uh, it needs to be understood that it's not going to quite have that kind of momentum going forward. Uh, I, and, and I'm okay with that. I think this was a fun and enjoyable uh, movie. It had some really fun backstories. And I really liked uh, her, I'm going to call him father character. Um, he is the guy from uh, the sheriff from Stranger Things. And uh, it's, it's fun, I think, having him be in that particular situation. Um, the last thing I want to mention from an entertainment perspective is uh, Play Genshin Impact. It's really, really amazing. They've opened up the third world in it, um, and uh, it's, it's really neat. Uh, I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed playing Genshin Impact. I encourage you. It's like Zelda meets Final Fantasy. Um, it's, it's quite amazing. 
So uh, on, on to some deep thoughts. Um, and, and I say deep thoughts. These are just thoughts from me, but, you know, just things to think about. Uh, you know, you hear the phrase from people, just go be yourself. Just, just go be yourself. Um, if you expand that concept into reality, reality says that for a person to be themselves, that means they should be able to be and act who and what they want to be at all times. And to an extent, what that means is your perception on how other people act around you should also be uh, that way. And um, and that's that's totally not realistic. Let's take, for example, a person who has a face tattoo. To be themselves, you uh, say, I, I want a face tattoo. Okay, so go get a face tattoo. Let's assume that uh, as part of that, you also don't want people to stare at you because of the face tattoo. So, okay, so that's being yourself. Um, I have a face tattoo, but I don't want people to staring at it. That's, that's, that's the me. Now, what if somebody else to be themselves is, I have to stare at a person who has a face tattoo. I realize it's an extremely specific example, but it's true. Both of those people cannot be themselves around each other. It is literally mutually exclusive. So I think that as a society, we really just need to understand that this idea, this concept of being yourself um, is, is a lie. Um, we, we cannot be ourselves all of the time. We need to recognize that being ourself really means we need to understand what is going to make us and those around us the best that we can be. And, and if that means uh, having a face tattoo that no one stares at, fine. If that means having, you know, very strange and exciting clothes, or in my case, monochromatic because I suck at matching uh, colors together, um, so be it. But we can't expect other people to bend to our will if we're going to be ourselves because we're not allowing them to be themselves. If we live in a society where everyone is going to quote unquote be themselves, then that means only one person can be themselves. And that's the person that's the most dominant and everyone else is subservient to them. So just to kind of reiterate, don't fall under this lie that we should all be ourselves because it doesn't work. Um, okay, so all that aside, uh, let's talk a little bit about the butterfly effect. So I I'm not talking about a movie here. I'm talking about the weather phenomenon that somebody uh, wrote about back in, I believe it was, gosh, I want to say the 17 or 1800s. Um, it's been revisited multiple times, but putting it simply, it's the idea that if a hurricane is going to develop somewhere off of the coast of Florida, and there is a butterfly somewhere in Brazil in South America, and it flaps its wings... There is a possibility that that flapping of the wings of that butterfly will influence that hurricane in a significant way, like the direction it could go. There was a lot of studies done on this, and those studies included some of the, um, uh, the rounding values at the umpteenth decimal point when they took data from an engine that actually generated weather forecasts and put in just the raw numbers without the brain behind it, and they ended up coming with different values. And, and the forecast continued to change and evolve and didn't match anymore. And they thought it was an error in the system they were putting it in. And I realize I'm not explaining this well, but the idea is that the smallest change in, in, that, in those values that they plugged in changed the weather forecast. And in, in lieu of that, they understood that it has the potential for small things having massive effects. 
Um, this came in a really good story form called A Sound of Thunder by Ra uh, Ray Bradbury. Uh, I actually remember reading this story when I was younger. Um, the premise is basically um, if, if somebody were to go back in time and step on a butterfly and they were to return to the present again, would the present be different? And the idea is invariably yes. Now, how different would it be? Well, that's a good question. But needless to say, it would be different. Uh, so I, I think this this concept of the butterfly effect is is profound for us. Um, if we think about it in a certain way, it could radically positively influence our lives. If we think about it a different way, it could completely freeze us in our tracks and and fill us with so much dread that it could completely halt us. Um, there have been moments in my life I viewed it from that perspective because somehow innately I understood that everything I did or didn't do has an effect. Um, if you think about it from that perspective, sound waves bounce off of you. Are you liable for how those sound waves affect everything else around you by your very existence? Now, I'm not telling you all of this to create despair or panic. Um, quite the opposite, actually, uh, because there is so much that is out of our control that uh, it, it should give us a certain level of hope and allow us to kind of let go a little bit, frankly, uh, because we can't control everything. Heck, we can't even control every element of ourselves, certainly not consciously. Um, and so it, it should give us some hope. Uh, the rest of the podcast, uh, next you know six episodes past this, I'm going to delve more into this butterfly effect more because it's really prudent to this concept of failure or, or not achieving your goals uh, that I've been touting for the last handful of episodes uh, in a very positive way, in a way that hopefully will lend itself to hope and, 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 and let's just go with the word enlightenment. Um, Let's, uh, let's, let's read a scripture here really quick. This is from my favorite chapter. I've even probably read this verse before, but under this context, this is in Ether chapter 12, verse 27. So uh, this is you know one of my all-time favorite chapters. I, I glean so much from this whenever I read it. Uh, this verse says, And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. And I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me I, and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. There is a thought to this, and I think I've shared this before, but I want to share it again anyway. The idea is that if you're going to make weak things become strong, or, or Heavenly Father is going to help us make weak things become strong, the only way we're going to continue to grow is the greater the exposure of our weaknesses. And we will actually become stronger in our ability to not only have our weaknesses revealed, but to overcome them as well. It's, it's become this, uh, it's almost like a perpetual engine of sorts, where the more it builds, the faster it builds, the more it's going to build, and the faster it's going to build, and it's going to continue to go from there. And so we just need to first and foremost recognize we're not perfect, that it's okay to not be perfect, in fact, for us to grow, we have to embrace our lack of perfection, our knowledge that we will and will continue and have and will have continued and whatever improper grammatical statements I can make, make mistakes and fall short and stumble and trip. And those moments are great opportunities for us to say, look, I'm not perfect. I embrace that reality. Teach me. Help me to overcome this. 
I went on a date with somebody once, uh, quite a few years ago, well before, um, uh, well, it was about a year, six months or so before I got married. Um, and I dated this person and during the date, they made a comment to me, you know, we each have our favorite sin. And that statement has sat with me ever since. So we're talking over 20 years ago now, and I cannot shake that statement not in a bad way, but it's a way that's helping me realize that our humility is often our barrier for growth. If we hold on to those quote unquote favorite sins, uh, if we hold on to those I'm perfect or better than somebody else mentality and attitude, we will invariably prevent ourselves from growing and progressing because we're not being shown our weaknesses. We're certainly not embracing them and we're not using that opportunity to grow. I feel like I've been on my soapbox for a while now, so let's let's move on to something that could potentially be humorous. I guess it depends on your point of view. Um, so I've been building up to this point kind of a top three like jobs I've had or positions I've had. Um, I'm going to pause that for a moment while I'm talking about this you know, failure or, or lack of achieving uh, our objectives and talk about what I'm going to view as three of my past, let's call them failures or perceived failures. Now, this first one I'm going to share could be extremely embarrassing for me and for anyone listening. So I, I, I really, really debated whether or not I was going to share this. And I've decided to share it, but please, please don't take it from the standpoint of I'm trying to uh, enlighten the audience on something that I am or was ignorant of. That is not the point of this. The point is, is to share the experience so that it's understood how it relates to this failure concept. So here we go. I was in high school. I was nearing the end of my high school career, and uh, I was out to uh, basically a dinner with uh, three of my close friends. Um, one of them was a girl who I had dated previously, who was now dating my best friend. Awkward, I know, that's another story. And then a another male friend of mine. So uh, two males, one female. So there's the four of us. We went to a D's restaurant, which um, is kind of on the, the lower end of the, you know, the breakfast type foods. Um, let's call it truck stop food. And uh, we went to this place. And I will be the first to admit that I almost never can recognize it when a girl is hitting on me. Um, perhaps never recognize it when a girl is hitting on me. It's just by happenstance that I've ever been able to stumble upon the proper response at the right time to go on a date or gratefully, you know, have been married now for going on 20 years. So needless to say, um, we're, we're at this uh, D's and there's this waitress comes to us and we've decided we we're just going to go with ice cream and uh or desserts of sorts and so she comes over and she's flirting with me and i totally totally don't get it um she went to high school with us uh or was going to high school with us i think she was a year younger uh she was very nice very cute and i remember asking her for a sundae and for those of you who don't know what a sundae is basically it's ice cream with like a hot fudge on it and sometimes there's other things in it nuts bananas whatever um but uh uh, I don't much care for cherries. And I remember specifically telling her, but I'd like mine without a cherry. And this was her response. Oh, don't you want my cherry? And I said, uh, okay, fine, I'll have your cherry. And she smiled 
and both of us were totally ignorant of the fact that something had been said that could be insinuated in a very derogatory way. And my three friends erupted into laughter. We're talking like crying on the floor, falling under the table laughter. And the two of us just looked at each other like, what the string of expletives is going on? No expletives were shared, by the way. And then she realized that something had been said. Either she understood what it was or just realized it was embarrassing. And she just kind of left. Um, uh, I think she... She was strong enough to come back and help later, and, you know, we ended up, uh, uh, you know, having our dessert or dinner or whatever, and, you know, nobody died, and nobody was overly offended, at least I don't think. Um, But my three friends just kept laughing at me because I had no idea that what had been said could be construed in any other way than the literal definition. Now, the reason why I'm sharing this story is because this is what you could believe as a perceived failure. Um, my, my ignorance, uh, my naivety, uh, whatever you want to call it, that made them laugh at me could be viewed by myself or even others as a failure on my part to, to not have expanded my knowledge of, of social, uh, you know, cultural viewpoints of vocabulary or innuendos. Um, I, I have certainly learned in years since to, to, you know, put on the proper face or laugh at the proper things, even if I didn't understand what was going on, to, to try to, for lack of a better word, fit in, you know, follow the peer pressure, um, for good or for bad. But I, I want to share that ignorance with the understanding that, that growth is our ultimate goal here. Ignorance is not bad. Um, being naive is definitely not bad. Uh, I, I would prefer that you know we all go through a life being naive of certain things that we just don't need to be exposed to. Um, and so I call this particular one a perceived failure because it could be viewed that way. I do not view it that way, though. I view this as actually kind of a win on my part because at that point in my life, I did not understand some of those innuendos and some of those things that really aren't going to benefit my life. So um, so there was that. Um, let me go on to uh, a few years after my wife and I got married, I was going to school. I was going to college, and I was trying to get my bachelor's degree. And I was really struggling. I was struggling with this working and school relationship. I was going to school, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes from where I lived. Um, my wife was working in the opposite direction, so we really couldn't move either way, and she was the breadwinner at the time. And um, I was really, really struggling uh, in school. I was, I was having a hard time. I'd given myself a huge workload, or at least I thought it was huge. Um, and, and I was having a really hard time uh, consistently going to classes, staying on top of my homework, um, doing well on the tests. And I finally decided that, you know what, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to walk away from school for the rest of the semester. So I went in and went ahead and just and withdrew from that term. I didn't realize the repercussions from that. I withdrew too late. Um, I ended up getting like a not pass, or in other words, an F in all of those classes. Um, We didn't get tuition reimbursed because it was too late. Um, and, uh, And I think it even hurt my ability to get like grants and student loans to help me. And so I would definitely constitute that as a failure. Now, was it failure because I didn't understand what I was getting myself into when I started? Was it a failure because I should have just sucked it up and pushed through? Uh, There's a lot of different ways it could be viewed as a failure. But I will tell you this. 
This was definitely a learning experience for me because I crashed hard. I crashed really hard because now I wasn't in school. I was only working part-time. My wife was the pure breadwinner. This was a potentially big turning point for our relationship and not necessarily a good one. And uh, I stepped it up and started working more to try to earn some more more bread, for lack of a better word. Um, reviewed my school schedule for the next semester, ended up retaking all those classes again, different teachers, ended up getting much better grades. Um, and, and I learned a lot from that. But to me, that was a really, really big learning experience because was withdrawing the right decision? You know, looking back, it might still have been the right decision. Um, did I learn from it? Absolutely. And and did it did it burn me to the ground and ruin my wife and I's relationship? No, no, it did not. But it had the potential for all of those things. But I can take one huge thing away from that, and that is is that if I'm going to screw up and if I'm going to fall flat on my face, I know now that I can pick myself up and then I can move on, and I can help others move on with me uh, without creating this gigantic negative trail behind me. So. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, this third failure point, this is one of those, um, I'm going to say embarrassing, but that's a light word for it. Uh, this was a couple of years after my wife and I had our first son and our first child. And uh, I was really getting back into um, listening to some of the older soundtracks from when I was younger, one of which was the Rocky soundtrack. Um, this was the generic soundtrack. By that, I mean it was like best hits from the various different movies. And I have a bizarre memory. Um, I can't remember names very well. I can't remember proper nouns very well. And sometimes I can't even remember like even a song that I really, really like very well until I hear it again. And I, even then I can get it confused with other ones. Well, this was one of those moments. Um, my son really, really enjoyed a particular song on the soundtrack. And I enjoyed it as well, but I enjoyed another song more. So we were taking turns listening to our favorite songs. And at some point, he said, okay, your turn is over. It's my turn. And I I genuinely thought we had just listened to his song. And so I started getting on his case. I mean, we're not talking like, you know, yelling or, or anything even worse than that. But I started getting on his case for taking turns and not lying. Because I honestly and sincerely believed that he was in the wrong here. And finally, my wife had to intervene and say, guess what? You're wrong. <laughs> um, you know, you put the wrong song on and you thought it was yours and it was, uh, and it was your, or you thought it was his and it really was yours and vice versa. Now this, this sounds like a minor thing, but to me, it was a really big deal because I realized that not only was I wrong in what I had said and done, but I got in his case for doing something wrong that he did not do wrong. And I apologized for the rest of the day and I felt horrible for days and days, maybe even weeks later. And even now looking back, I certainly feel negative towards how I acted that day. But I did learn something very valuable from it. And that is I can make mistakes. And I have taught my kids time and time and time again to call me out, not in public because that's not going to help anyone. But when I screw up, it's okay to tell me that. And I have learned from that experience that I need to stop and step back, not get defensive and relook at the situation to see if I'm wrong. 
Um, I think that understanding has helped my relationship with my children uh, because I want them to understand that, yeah, I'm dad and they should respect me because of that to an extent, but they need to understand I'm human and I can make mistakes. And that humanity, I think, helps us to help each other grow. If they view me as something perfect, um, then I'm not going to be something they can influence in a positive way. Uh, and, and that's, that's not good. I need to grow as well. So, uh, I feel like I've vented a lot. I've been going on for quite a while and I had a lot more material that I've been saving for another podcast. So let me end here. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you have a spectacular and wonderful day, week, year, eon, lifetime, eternity, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I got some new Chuck Norris facts. So let me share one with you to end this. Um, Chuck Norris has inside jokes with perfect strangers. Thank you again for listening. Smile, be happy, and remember that you're worth it.